0: more than me right now. I can't think of anybody in the world that needs to be strengthened more than me. Now, that may not be true. There may be some other people out there that needed a whole lot more than I needed, but I'm just saying right now, it feels like that I'm the person who needs it. About a week ago, I read a book. I read a book called In the Name of God. It was about two preachers. It was two biographical uh, uh, stories of preachers. I did not agree with the conclusion uh, that the author came up with, but I did come up with a conclusion in that book, and in that uh, I, you know, it, through prayer and such, I've realized that our church, if we do not reach this generation called the millennials, the millennials were born between 1980 and 19 uh, or 2000. <clears throat> they are uh, they are 42 or to 22 years of age right now. If we do not reach that group the largest generation ever by the way they are they exceed the baby boomers they are larger than the baby boomers if we do not reach that group of people then our church will not have a very long shelf life it is not going to be uh, out there for very much longer and when i was reading this book in the name of god i, I thought what is going on or what it appears to me, and I don't know what's going on in every other church because I, I don't get out much on Sundays. But the, uh, the fact is, is that what appears to me is, is that they're trying to reach this generation uh, with a, an entertainment style of worship. And what I have seen that they're doing right now is they're, they're going in and, you know, they're, they're doing everything but, uh, you know, fake smoke and, and laser shows and all of that kind of stuff. And what I believe they're doing is that they're referring back to the baby boomers. That's what was reaching the baby boomers. And they thought, we'll double down on the baby boomers and we'll do it that way. I do not see this generation that way. I see this generation as being more concerned about authenticity. They want depth. They do not want this this uh, kind of fluffy cloud kind of thing that you know they want something that is significant in their lives. this is what they want, and what I realized was with this is i and and, and I think this is the greatest thing that could ever happen because this generation could could change. Um, change the world like no other generation has and, and maybe in a long 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 time I don't know what other generation could have done it but, but this generation may, not, uh, may change the, the world in a way that it's never been changed before and I realize that what that means for me is that when it comes down to the scriptures and such when I'm going to preach instead of giving them fluffy sermons I got to double down I got to double down and give meat not milk this is what this generation really needs. This is what this generation really desires. And so with that in mind, I said, I need strength. I don't know if it's in me. And you know what? It's okay if it's not in me because I'm not dependent on my strength anyway. I'm dependent on his strength in me. And if there's going to be an impact that is going to be made That impact is not going to be made because I can do it myself. It never was going to be that way. And I know that there are plenty of preachers that are out there. They're charismatic. They're naturally charismatic. And people just gather around them. And I'm just not that person. I am not that person. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to be honest with you guys. So I'm going to need strength. And so I said, I need to listen to this sermon today. You want to know who needs to make a decision today? I do. I need to listen to the sermon that I'm going to be, uh, preach this day. Because you see, I believe that every last one of us was saved so that we would make an impact. We weren't saved so we'll go to church. We weren't saved just so that we will, you know, we'll, we'll be uh, a people that, you know, at the end they can say, well, what we did was we built a big building and we, we furnished it really well and it look, really looked nice in the end. I believe that our... Our responsibility is to make an impact in the world, and an impact is not going to be made in buildings and, and, uh, and just going to church, not in just attendance. And a lot of churches are counting their their budgets, their, 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 their building, and, and sometimes even their baptisms. Now, baptisms can make an impact, but that's only if those baptisms have people that are going to make an impact. And that's what really has to happen. I remember going to a a cowboy one time. I mean, I was doing, I was doing the door to door thing, you know, where I knock on the door and, you know, I'm just witnessing to people. And I was going to this cowboy and I mean, he was a genuine cowboy. You know, I'm talking about dipping snuff at the very moment that I was talking to him, kind of cowboy, you know, has the boot cut, the boots on and the whole bit, you know, you could tell he's a cowboy. And I remember I asked him, I said, why should God let you into, uh, into his heaven? And he looked at me And he spit out the window, out the door, about that point, because he had to. And he said, because I'm making the world a better place than I found it. And I thought, you hadn't read the news lately, have you? The The world's not a better place than when you found it. The world's not getting better as we go along. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that when we're making impacts, it's not going to be because the world appears to be getting better in terms of crime and things like that it's going to be because we are making an impact by changing people's lives and people are walking with the lord that's what it's going it's going to be and i can tell you this the first thing you've got to do is you you've got to live like a christian and a christian like i said is not somebody who just attends church and if you are if you're wise enough if you are wise enough to recognize this you'll recognize that you're not strong enough to live like a Christian, that there's not one of us that is able to do so on our own. Now, we can live an acceptable Christian life. I got that. An acceptable Christian life for the people around us, and they they decide uh, what's going on. But if we are honest, If we're honest and we understand what the Christian life is, what it's supposed to be, and I want you to get these words down because you're going to hear them over and over and over again. What God wants from you is for you to walk with him, not for him to say, I'll tell you what, I'll give up all of my holiness and I'll come over and walk with you and your nastiness. That's not what God's going to do. That is not what is going to happen with God. And I've heard so many people say, well, didn't Jesus go with the the tax uh, collectors and the sinners and all of that kind of stuff? Yes, that is absolutely true. But that is not what God desires for you. That is not what God desires for you. God says, come walk with me. And if it comes down to our Christian life and we're trying to live it on our own, let me give you a statement that I think that if we're honest, we'd have to say this is absolutely true. Having to live a perfectly sinless life on my own is a terrible way to live. It is a terrible way to live. Can you imagine what it is that you have to keep yourself sinless on your own? And you continue to try to without any help from God. And I can tell you for me and my house, I am not strong enough and never will be strong enough to do so. And so what I'm I'm saying to you is I'm not promoting sin. I'm giving God credit for a whole lot of grace. But the, the pressure to fulfill a sinlessness would be unrelenting in my life. And that is not what God expects from me. What does God expect from me? That I will walk with him. That I will walk with him. Does that mean that I'm free to sin so that I can let uh, grace take care of everything? No, absolutely not. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We live in a paradox, folks. We are not to live in sin and we are sinners. So we must have God's strength. And we need strength beyond our own strength to live the Christian life. We are never going to live the Christian life. It is impossible for you to live the Christian life on your own. So it says in Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. And did you see that? He said, my gospel. That's actually what it says in the Greek. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. And when I looked at this, I looked at this and I, and I, and I translate these things on my own. Now, we have in this translation here used now as a conjunction. That is not how it was used in the Greek right here. You see, it is not a conjunction. It is literally here, to the one now is what it really says. To the one now who is able. You see, God is able to strengthen you now. It is not simply a conjunction that we have right here. And what we need right now from God is strength. You see, the Jews lived under the law. The law told them what to do and when to do it. But it could not accomplish righteousness. Romans 8, 3 says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Here's the thing that I think that most people, even though they have, maybe they were raised in a Baptist church and in every way, they just don't get for some reason. God never planned for a works based salvation he never planned for us to earn our way into heaven not ever not ever not ever Romans six fourteen says for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace there are no perfect people that are out there we are not under law we are not able to fulfill every bit of the law. It was never God's plan that that would happen it, it, because there are no perfect people. And those who identify with Christ identify with his work rather than ours. Our righteousness comes because of his work, not ours. And so even, even with that, though, we're still unable to live with perfection. So... We wouldn't need any strength if we were able to live the Christian life on our own anyway, would we? We wouldn't need his strength. But see, we could just sin and go on and, and, you know, just kind of get clear to the sin and keep going. But God is seeking a people who will walk with him. He's like a parent who loves his children and wants to be with them. See, and in this, understand... While God does not condone sin, he is not pleased with sin, but rejoices over those who repent. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Has anybody ever thought, why isn't there a joy over those 99? Why Why isn't there a joy for those? Why are we saying, well, he's going to be rejoicing over the one and not the 99? I will tell you why. Because in Romans three ten says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. These Pharisees, they didn't understand. They needed his righteousness too. They didn't have it either. You understand what has happened. God is desiring that all... All will come to repentance. All will do so. It takes an incredible amount of strength to admit that you're a sinner when looking at other sinners. Maybe that's why we gossip so much. We want to look down on somebody. Look at that sinner over there. See that sinner over there? He's a real sinner. I'm kind of a fake sinner, but he's a real sinner over there. And so when I I, I looked at this, I thought... What does this deal with gossip? You know, we're, we're looking down on other people as if they're, you know, they're the great sinners and we're not. I mean, what does this deal with gossip? And, and, I, and I realized as I looked at it, I said, where does gossip come in the, in the, in the egregious characters of, 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 of the world? Where does gossip come? It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips. Wait a minute. Now, when it comes down to their characters, what is it? They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Did you realize that when God starts naming off the characters here... When Paul is naming them off under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this, that, you know, you put the most most significant one first and then the rest of them fall under this. Where does gossip come? Number one. Number one. We look at it and say, well, it's okay for me to gossip. And sometimes we think that it's okay for us to gossip. But that is the number one most egregious thing that you can actually do. It comes... It comes before slandering and hating God and being insolent and haughty and boastful and inventors of evil. It comes before any of these things. It comes there at number one. And so the natural tendency for us is to look at other sins before our own. And you know what we do? We say, I'm doing pretty good. I may not be that, you know, I may not be that good, but I'm not that guy over there. And that's where we need help to see our own sin. Galatians 5:17 says, "For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh; for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do." If I am walking with God, I have the desires of the spirit. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what the problem with being filled with the Holy Spirit is? We leak. We leak really, really bad. We are full of the Spirit, and then before you know it, we can leak it all out. We can look over at somebody else and say, I'm not like them, and then we leak it all out. It's just like we cut a hole in in the bottom of the bucket. And what happens to us so often is we believe that when we have one of these mountaintop experiences, you have one of those mountaintop experiences, you've been on a retreat, you've gone on a mission trip, you've got maybe there's a worship service and that worship service, which is, oh my goodness, this was the best thing that ever happened. You know what we typically try to do? We try to recreate the, the worship experience. We have to we, let's get the same person who sang the, that sang the before. Let's get the same preacher who who preached that. Let's preach the exact same message as he preached before. When in reality, the problem is it's the sin that is invaded in our lives, and we need to eliminate it first. And so we're not addressing the sin; we just want to recreate things in our lives. We don't want the Holy Spirit to fill us. We just want to feel like the Holy Spirit fills us. And so I want. to... In some ways, in my sinfulness, I want to be of this world and in this world. But let me tell you, if I have the spirit within me, they are opposed to each other. When I got saved, when I got saved, I walked with the Lord. Now, I don't mean that I got sinless. I didn't get sinless. I didn't become sinless. But I didn't allow confession and repentance to get far from me. I mean, and if I were to ask you today... When is the last time that you genuinely can say that you have confessed your sins and you've repented? Some of you can't remember the last time that that happened, if it ever happened at all. And so what I did was, is I had those things going on. But here was my problem. I did not connect with other believers. And you know what happened to me? I started adopting the ways of people without Jesus. I didn't go to church, or if I did, I did it very sporadically. And I realized that the first thing that a person will do when they start living like the world is to sporadically be around other believers. This is what happens. You want to see somebody who's starting to walk away from the Lord? They're going to start missing church. I'm not telling you that church is the magic thing. I'm just trying to tell you that's what's going to happen with them. And so that Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's our job, by the way. And you know how we do that? It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, we are to stir up one another to love and good works. But we do that when we get together. Remember this, folks. A virtual reality is an absolute absence. You are not there in a virtual reality. You've got to get together. And that's another way God allows us to draw strength. We draw strength from each other to live and walk this this, uh, Christian life. See, it's humbling to say to other believers, I need you more than you need me but the truth is we need all of us more than any of us needs one of us we need all of us more than any of us needs one of us we should understand that with a just a natural burning of logs you watch logs when they burn log that's in the middle of the fire is burning like crazy what happens when that log rolls out rolls out a little bit gets away from the fire it goes out it goes out. And that's what happens with us. Except that in this case, I would say some of us need to be lit in the first place. We need to get a little lit in this case. And it is the Lord who is in each of us that strengthens us through each other. The scripture tells us that God is always able to strengthen you. The translation is able means that he is continually able. It mean, In fact, it may mean that you are continually being strengthened by Him. I'm not talking about God overriding your will. If you want to be weak, you can be. But the word strengthen means to set fast, to literally to, to turn resolute in a certain direction, or to confirm, establish, steadfastly set, strengthen. See... It is not that God strengthens you in everything. In other words, God is not going to be like what happened with Samson. Samson had all the strength he needed to go out and do whatever he wanted to, even if it was sinful. But you see, you are set resolutely in a certain direction. God strengthens you for what purpose? To walk with him. Hear it again. He, to walk with him. Now, when you go to the bank and you want to borrow money, now, after they've established your collateral, and if you need that collateral, what is the question that the banker is going to ask you? What are you going to use this money for? This is what a banker is going to ask you, okay? And so you respond by saying, I want to buy guns and so I can sell them on the black market. Now, what are the odds you're going to get the loan on that? Or how about this one? I want to start my own drug empire. That's what I want to do. Now, the bank just might get their return on that uh, type of investment, I will tell you the truth. But the bank doesn't want to loan you money for that. It doesn't want to participate in that because it does not want to be complicit in a crime. That's why the bank doesn't want to do that. Do you think that God's going to be complicit with you in something that is uh, sinful and evil? Is he going to give you strength for something that is, that is not going to, to uh, have an impact in a positive way? So God's strength comes to you so that you can be used to walk with him. He does not waste his strength. He is always holy. He's not going to have anything take away his holiness. And he will always be separated from sinfulness. And if you want to walk on your own, God will certainly let you. For God's strength comes according to the true gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Paul uses, as I pointed out a minute ago, he uses my when he describes the gospel. Now, there are other gospels. In fact, did you know there are? Five major atonement theories? There are five major theories of salvation? There's only one that I consider right. The first one is called the ransom theory. The ransom theory says that that, uh, that paid Satan's ransom. God paid Satan's ransom by having Jesus Christ die on the cross. You know what the problem with that one is? Who's in, who's in charge of this? Satan is when that happens. Satan's the one in charge. That's why the ransom theory doesn't work. There's the Christus Victor theory. That is Christ established victory over sin, death, and the devil. It's true, but that's not just a statement of, of him having victory. There's the recapitulation theory. That Christ repaired the evil done by Adam. Well, the fact is, is that there is no real way to undo something that has been done. And you can say, well, he, he wiped it out. Yes, he did as far as our sins being held against us. But he cannot take away what has happened. There's the satisfaction theory. The satisfaction says that God is a feudal lord whose honor has been offended, and Jesus restored that honor. You know what's the problem with that one? That's not what's going on. And then there is the penal substitution theory. That's the one that says Christ came to pay for our sins. That's the gospel, folks. That's the gospel. The true gospel establishes an intimate relationship with God. We are not beggars seeking God's strength. We are his children, and he will lavish his strength upon us. Uh, Let me give you a secret here. Okay, let's say when you ask him for his strength, uh, and, you you know, uh, he gives you his strength. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, he gives you his strength, but you know what happens next? I want to tell you what happens. God gives you his strength, not so you'll just have his strength, but he gives you his strength so that you will have an impact. You realize what I'm saying? He gives you his strength so that you'll have an impact. God gives you something else that you're going to need to do. God gives you people in your life that you're going to have an impact with. And when God gives you his strength, it's not just so that you'll make it through the day. Sometimes that's what you need. But let me tell you, it's not just for that. It's so that you will have a testimony that you'll have an impact that will go forth from that day. And it will continue to go on that day. And so that when you have your... your your uh, God giving you strength, it's not simply so that you can say, well, I, I feel better now. It's because God has something else for you. The concept of being saved and doing nothing afterwards is not the gospel and it is therefore not salvation. You see, that would not require God's strength. That would not require God's word. And that would not require an intimate relationship with him. And that would not be the gospel. See, so what happens is, uh, you you Come along. That's what a lot of people believe. They come along in their Christian life and they'll say, if I get to a certain spot, if I get to a certain spot, if I do this certain thing, then I made it. Let me tell you what happens. This has been going on for the longest period of time. A family will come to our church and they will be diligent to come to our church and they will do so until the youngest member of the family gets baptized. And you know what happens after that? They don't come to church anymore. And do you know why? They think that's all you have to do. When you get to that spot, that's all you have to do. You don't need to go any further than that. What happens, they they treat it like this. What happens to you if you go on a diet and you lose your weight? You get down to your goal weight. What's the next thing you do? You get off your diet. That's what most of us do. We get right off our diet. And what do we do? We gain our weight right back. That's what happens to us. You see what I'm saying to you? That's not what salvation is about. Salvation is always having something else that God has for us. So that what we'll be doing is what? We're walking with him. See, our spiritual life needs something to keep us on track to walk with the Lord. And why is it that we walk with the Lord in that way? Because God is never resting from bringing people to himself. And he expects us to be the people who will bring other people to himself. So God does this. And, he, and here's what it says here. God gives his strength according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages. The mystery the, the New Testament speaks of is the gospel coming through the substitution of Jesus for our sins. And for some reason, people didn't see it coming. See, there are plenty of Old Testament scriptures that told them that. Why didn't they see it coming? I mean, Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Doesn't it say right there? Doesn't it say that Jesus Christ is is going to pay the our penalty for sin? Isn't it say that right there? And so the cat's out of the bag. It shouldn't be a secret anymore. But for some reason, it remains a secret. And being honestly uh, with honest with you, I know for certain that there is a number of churches that are lifeless is greater than the churches that are showing life right now. And therefore, there still must be a secret that is going on that they don't know yet. They don't know that, that the, the gospel has been a, a mystery that has been revealed to us. And you don't get the mystery until you do something about it. You don't get the mystery. If I had a formula that would assure you the winning numbers for the lottery for this next week, I said, would you buy a ticket? Only if you were convinced that I was right, wouldn't you? And says, but you aren't convinced until you do something about it. That's the reality. You aren't convinced. And there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that have tipped their hats to God. They buy the bumper stickers. They've got the Jesus shirts. They've got all of that sort of thing. And they have never accepted the revelation of the mystery. So the people are acting like Others expect them to act. See, they. And I will tell you, I think that a lot of what has happened in terms of salvation is that we've lied to you. We've told you that all you have to do for salvation is just give your heart to Jesus. That's true. But let me explain to you it comes with a full commitment to Jesus Christ, a full commitment. And it takes God's strength to accept that challenge before you. And you will do nothing of consequence. You will have no true impact without God's strength. Never going to happen. There were two men on crosses with Jesus on the day he was crucified. One accepted his strength and the other didn't. Which one will you be? Pray with me. Father, I do pray that we will give our hearts to you. And I realize that what we have, Father, is so often a huge group of church attendants